Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today, my guest is the lovely Amy Palco. I've known Amy for several years and have even had the benefit of having her do readings for me in the past. And what I really love about your work, Amy, is how just intuitive and grounded it feels. Um, even to me, who, when I first encountered your work, was like, goddess what? <laughs> and so I'm really excited to be talking with you about um, all of this and plus your new work and foregrounding women's voices with your new publishing house. So welcome, Amy. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So I wanted to start off asking you this question. What was your relationship with your body like as a young person? Mm. I remember being very comfortable, actually, in my body. Um, I remember um, being very, I was very, I was a very skinny child. Mm. So very slim. Um, and it was quite, it was relatively active. Um, a lot more active than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember going out, I mean, we lived um, in various different locations, but all with quite large back gardens. So I remember being, you know, into climbing and running. And um, so I had a younger brother as well, and he was very active too. So, you know, the, the pair of us used to chase around after each other. So, mm. yeah, I remember feeling very comfortable in my skin. Um, I think that probably changed as I got older and um, became became a woman. Actually, became a lot more self conscious, um, and consequently a lot less active. Um, and so then I kind of see there there was kind of a body psyche split for a while there, mm -hmm. uh, where I was really very disembodied. But yeah, to begin with, I think I was I was a lot more comfortable with with being in my own flesh. Mm -hmm. And is there something that helped you to kind of come back to that place of embodiment after the mm. journey away? Yeah, pregnancy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, was, um, I was I was a young mum. I got married the day after my 19th birthday. Mm. And on my honeymoon, discovered I was pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So my daughter was born um, almost exactly eight months, um, in fact, exactly after my wedding date. So she was born on 8th July. And wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, throughout that process, um, I experienced um, uh, that, that over-medicalization, really, of, of my, my body. You know, so my body no longer became my own. It was poked, it was prodded, it was... You know, other people would come up and randomly put their hands on your belly, and you know, it was a bit. I found it very disconcerting, actually. Mm -hmm. um, when Aurora was five months old, I discovered I was pregnant with our second, and it was that pregnancy actually that really brought me home to myself, mm -hmm. um, and it really allowed me to make decisions actually about my body, and I gained a new sense of autonomy. Um, so when I gave birth to him, um, I did it by myself and I did it um, mm. without pain medication. I did it in my own home, in my own bed, wow. um, you know, pulling all the shots. Mm -hmm. And actually that process um, really allowed me to, to come into um, a much greater um, and stronger relationship with my own body. Hmm. How does that inform 
what you're doing today and let's start with what you are doing today with your work. I know people are going to be excited to hear about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm a goddess guide. So what I do is I have um, a couple of online groups. I have one um, large free group where I deliver daily goddess guidance um, to over 400 women every Monday to Friday. And um, I have a smaller um, group where I provide more sort of individual um, support. And so yes, I look at various different um, goddess stories and I use them in order to shine lights on different aspects of um, contemporary um, life for women. Mm. So, so that's basically what I do and um, that, that has various different expressions. So it comes through in my writing, it comes through in my um, one-to-one Skype calls, and it comes through my readings and all of these different um, aspects. So, um, so that's what I'm doing. The way that it um, that kind of shines through is that I think, and I've always believed actually, that the ultimate goddess invitation is to come home to the body. Mm. And so, each experience which allows me to drop further and further into the gravity of my own being um, is a deeper and deeper connection with the goddess. Mm. Um, so that's, that's how I see it informing. So every experience that I have, um, whether, that's, um, whether that's a growth experience, but not necessarily a very comfortable one, but mm-hmm. you know, quite a challenging one, or whether it's a blissful one, you know, whether it's, um, it's touching ecstasy, um, which can be equally as challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, each thing is this invitation to, to um, connect with the goddess. Um, and that, that's what I, that's why I help women achieve you know and deeper connections with the goddess and what do you see happening for the women you work with as they kind of deepen their relationship i mm. um, they become a lot stronger actually and a lot surer in their and their decisions about themselves and for their lives and um, they become um, a great greater interpreters of their own desire um, I think desire is actually one of those pieces that um, as we get older um, we become more and more disconnected from um, it's almost as though we get trained out of it mm, right. <laughs> through various different conditions and, um, and our bodies are great communicators of desire so the closer we come to connecting to our bodies and to what our, what our flesh wants yeah um, the greater our understanding of our own desires is. And if we can understand our own desire, then we can communicate it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we can start to take steps in order to you know, lead truly fulfilled and satisfied lives. Is part of that process what brought you from, and I know you may, I think you are still doing some work in um, academia, but that brought you more into doing your own work? Yeah, I mean, the, the process of the, of the academia um, route was a very interesting one. And I know, yeah, I think I'd love to hear more about that. It's, essentially, it's a very disembodied route. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh, I really relate to that, yeah. For years and years and years, I lived solely in my head. Yes. <laughs> um, about, about two or three years, about two and a half years through the PhD, I began that feeling of I need some I need some other sort of external 
I need some support. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I finally realized it was actually spiritual support that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to look at various different things, including angels. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at angel workshops and did all kinds of things. And, and, um, and really loved that, that inquiry, that bit of inquiry. However, um, it didn't actually help with the embodiment piece. Right. <laughs> it, was, it just felt more and more disembodied. So, you know, spiritually and mentally disembodied. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when I stumbled upon the goddesses, um, which was actually through Sarah Beek's The Red Book, Mm. Um, which led me to the resource section at the back of that, and that led me to Jean Shinoda Boland's Goddesses in Every Woman. And it was reading that that I actually started to be able to connect um, this kind of goddess narratives, goddess stories, um, to actually the lived, felt experience of my life. So, um, so yes, it really did very strongly help me to get through that that process of, of academia. Um, and it's been five years now since I graduated, um, almost exactly five years. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> so it's been quite an interesting, I'm going through quite an interesting kind of reflective process around that. Um, my um, area of research and, um, and, and still what I teach is um, Gothic literature. Mm. And gothic and expressions of gothic culture. So we're talking about horror novels and horror films and all of those those things that kind of go bump in the night. <laughs> um, which probably seems like quite a strange. <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that line <I> do too. <laughs> it's this kind of shadow aspects that I find fascinating. Um, the kind of books that I love to read now are um, romance novels. And I was kind of thinking, you know, how does this, how do this, um, these kind of novels match up to what I was studying? What's the commonality? Right. And the commonality actually is, is that I like to read words that stir the physical body. Oh, so interesting. I love visceral language. You know, I love language that calls me into, into a dance, actually, with my own physical being. Um, so whether it gets my heart pumping because you know something something um, scary has happened on the page, or um, or whether there's a, an exchange between you know the, the heroine and the and the heroine in the, the novels that I'm reading, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is, it's you know having actually that that physical response to the words on the page. That's I think is what actually ties together um, my love for for stories and for language. Yeah, that's so interesting, the embodiment piece that comes in there. Mm. And I really see that in my own writing, too. You know, I've got yeah. poems that I'm hoping to bring out soon through my, my new publishing house, um, Red Thread Voices. And um, the again, sort of the common strain throughout all of that is that my writing is very visceral. You know, my, my writing is very of the body. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, early reviews of it, people have all been saying that it's actually taken them into a journey into their own bodies and then back through and, and feeling transformed in the process of that. Um, so, wow. yeah, it, that fascinates me. <laughs> yeah, well, and congratulations on Red Thread Voices. I think that's so exciting that you're creating this space for your own voice, but also for other women's voices. And I, it feels so connected. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your process for 
um, bringing this forward and kind of your intention and vision for it? Yeah, well, that again, this kind of comes back to the, the academic piece because um, my PhD was looking at the publishing strategies of Stephen King. Mm. So spent sort of four and a half years sort of entrenched in all of these different ways in which books can be published um, and investigating historical processes around publication. So kind of leaving that behind and then moving forward sort of five years, um, I was sitting down and I was writing in my, in my journal and I was trying to figure out why I haven't um, got a book published yet. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's one of those things that's always been on the bucket list. You know, it was always one of those things. Ever since I was probably about the age of six or seven, as I said, I was going to be an author when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sitting, oh, why, why has this not happened yet? You know, what is it about the publishing process that's putting me off? Right. And I myself writing that I didn't want to be a publisher for a, I didn't want to be an author for a publishing house. Unless I owned a publishing house. Uh, all of a sudden light bulb was turned on now it's I think I lost you for a minute, Amy. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So could you just go back and say the part that you just said? I just you jumped out for a second. Sure. Thanks. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the, the journaling piece. So journaling this out, and I realized I didn't want to be an author for a publishing house unless I owned a publishing house. Ah, yeah. So it was like a, a huge light bulb moment for me um, because I then realized how incredibly important my creative autonomy was to me in the publishing process. Um, and that sense of sovereignty that I felt through through being an author, through being a writer, and that I didn't want to give that up. Mm. And actually, as I thought about it more, I thought, I don't want other women to give that up either. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I want to feel really sovereign in the words that they're bringing out into the world and the releasing and unleashing of their voices. Um, and I thought if I can create something um, which allows me to amplify my own voice whilst staying very true to my to my authority actually um, and I can then do that for other women as well and that seems like um, a completely congruent and um, and very nourishing um, channel to follow. Yeah and it feels like it does bring together I love how you have thread in there it feels like it brings all the threads of your kind of life and experience up until this point together that's beautiful. Yeah well, the red thread, you know, it's, it's one of those um, very iconic images that we connect to, to feminine um, spirituality. Um, but again, you know, for me, the red thread, it's, it's a very tangible thing. It's a very embodied piece. Mm-hmm. And I think about the red thread, I think about the, the weaving of our, you know, the networks of our veins, you know, or the, right. uh, the, the actual fabric of our DNA as it's traveled, you know, from you know, one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. So it's what connects us to our past and to our present and to our future. But it's also what connects us um, to our sisters that are that are side by side and mm. um, in a circle, you know. Right. It's that sort of shared commonality of the, of the female experience. Wow. I just feel like this is such a ripe 
um, thing that you're bringing into the world for all of us. Thank you for that. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so hmm. welcome. I feel deeply blessed, actually, to be doing that work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really do. Mm. <laughs> what... Do you have any other embodiment practices? I'm wondering, um, I feel like we've talked in the past about you having a relationship with yoga, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that or anything else that helps you to kind of come into your body. Yeah, I have a sporadic yoga practice. (laughs) 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 On again, off again relationship with my Yeah, I think that's like 99% of us. I love most about yoga is that um, it teaches me that I find I can find the most movement when I allow my um, energy my I love when I allow my efforts to be easy. Mm. Um, and I experience that in a very physical way. So if I'm trying to deepen into a hip um, opener, for example. And it just won't, you know, you've got that point of tension and it just won't and it just won't. And then I pull back out of it and then allow myself to release and drop into it rather than push for it. Then all of a sudden it's, it, it, it becomes a much more fulfilling experience. Yeah. Um, so I take that and bring that back out into my everyday, you know, environment. And um, it becomes a real life lesson. You know, when I stop pushing and just allow myself to drop into the moment. And actually, I make a lot more progress. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how that happens. (laughs) So, yeah, it it teaches me how to manage my resistance, I would say. (laughs) I know. It's so interesting, the metaphors that we have (laughs) just through the work in the body. Like, oh, yeah, that feels pretty relevant in my off-the-mat life as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, I I do have other um, embodiment practices as well because um, every month, I participate in a women's circle where we um, where we take an alchemical chocolate. Mm. Um, so we have a sacred cacao practice, um, which I also have at home now. Um, and I'm actually going through training to be able to bring that um, to other women. I um, love it. Yeah, I'm hoping to try and combine that with um, some of my goddess work and then maybe do some um, goddess chocolate play shops. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just have to get to Scotland. <laughs> well, that could be on the road as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had quite a few um, women, particularly in the States, ask me to come over and do workshops. Wow. So I did one earlier on this year, um, but I'm thinking about, you know, bringing the chocolate in and, and making um, that more of our container and then exploring some goddess energies through that that contained space mm-hmm. and facilitated by the by the chocolate. Yeah. So so that's another embodiment practice. And I also work with um, Kathleen Prophet um, in embodied archetypal astrology, mm. which is also about exploring um, exploring the, the the processes of embodiment, exactly where you know where I am in my body, how am I feeling in my skin. And then exploring that through um, through the birth chart and through the various different transits of the planets. So I feel as though it's actually opened up my whole way of looking at astrology um, because it's actually visceral for me now. It's tangible. Mm. I can through my body. So I do that as well. 
That's so interesting. Yeah. Kind of all complementing each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I even have another one, which. Oh my goodness. I love it. <laughs> what even price? <laughs> That's good. Because I work with Lindsay McLeod with Body Harmony. Mm. So I get Body Harmony sessions, both um, mostly through Skype, but also offline as well. Um, with with her and, and I find them really nurturing and very, very supportive. Um, and working with her has allowed me to um, gain a, a new depth of understanding, actually, in, in the body. Um, really down to an anatomical level, um, mm -hmm. which I profoundly appreciate and find really feeds my writing as well. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. That, that's a few... <laughs> Those are all such great examples. Well, and I feel like it's so relevant to this kind of broader conversation we're having about coming back to the body and how that's a form of self and body acceptance. It seems like with each of these practices that you're describing, it's a way to deepen that relationship and then through that process become more accepting. Do you see that happening for you and for the people that you work with? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, I, you know, I think that's actually one of the main things of which I'm teaching through the Goddess Guidance work is profound self-acceptance, mm -hmm. you know, really deep self-acceptance. So basically, whenever we're connecting with one of these goddesses, we're inviting her back. You know, we're inviting her back home. We're inviting ourselves to integrate her wisdom. Um, so sometimes these goddesses are representing parts of ourselves that we find really quite challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes they're representing parts of ourselves which we project onto other people, and um, sometimes favor favorably and sometimes not so favorably. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you know, each time we explore these these goddesses and, and keep coming back to them, we we call them home in a in a um, stronger and stronger way, so that we can live um, very whole and full lives. Because I think that when we fully engage with our lives with self acceptance that we then live in greater empathy. Um, yeah. And I want to live in a community that holds empathy as one of its core values and practices that as one of its core values. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that by working on self-acceptance first. You're right, yeah. Yeah, because we have to have that foundation, I think, to really know how to extend it out to other people. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we connect with the body and, and actually work on this body acceptance piece, you know, we can't do these practices and receive the wisdom from them um, if we loathe our bodies, you know? Yeah. Or if we're, dis if we're not paying them any attention. Right. You know, it's like to know them is to love them, you know? So, so to it's get... It's so true, yeah. You know, to get a better understanding of... You know our physicality and what it means to to live full embodied lives. Um, we need to get to grips with that. You know, we need to we need to enter into loving relationship with our bodies. Yeah. And that's not to say that's easy. And that's not to say I've perfected it either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> but, you know, it's a practice, not perfect. So you know, it's something I can you know keep returning to over and over and over. <laughs> right. Well, in some ways, I feel like it's so empowering to say loving your body isn't necessarily. Although I think the mind is part of it, but it's not really the door in. The door in is through the body and just kind of 
finding these embodiment practices like we're talking about, getting to know your body. And then, like you said so beautifully, through that knowing process, the love kind of comes. It doesn't have to be forced, like your description earlier of your yoga practice. Exactly. It's something that we drop into. I think it makes it feel more possible because it's like if you're in a place where you feel not loving towards your body and you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to have to change my beliefs, that feels hard. But just starting to do it, I think, makes it feel more possible. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, I mean, I I look at, you know, I turn up to these women's circles, you know, once a month um, and we, we we have our cacao. And every single one of them, I come there and I'm, I'm like, um, I keep saying I'm like a skater bug. So, you know, it's, it's like I'm poised my, my whole being in um, a state of surface tension, you know, where I'm just kind of sitting on the surface. It's like if I let anything go, <laughs> or if I, or if I you know, position myself even slightly imbalanced, then everything's going to fall apart. And how um, difficult it is actually to, to hold that um, for any period of time. And then the moment we start moving through the body practices, and whether that's through breath or whether that's through sounding or whether that's through movement or, you know, whatever it is that, that we're doing, um, it instantly drops you into, into your body. Um, and it's very difficult um, to then bring in that, um, that mental chatter, actually, that divorces us from the physical experience right. um, when you're in that kind of dropped-in state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silence is the inner critic. <laughs> <laughs> well, how I feel like people listening are going to be so excited to get to know your work even more if they don't know it already. How can they connect with you? It's the best way. Um, best way is to connect with me on Facebook, I would say. I'm there almost constantly. <laughs> <laughs> You're home away from home. <laughs> Slash Amy <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. I also have a website which is amypalco.com and I have a newsletter that you can sign up there so you can and keep informed of any new updates and things that are happening with new offerings and things like that. So those are probably the two best ways. Wonderful. Um, and we'll link those up so everybody listening can find you really easily. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and sharing, Amy. I loved our conversation. And thank you to everyone who is listening, and we will talk with you all soon.